This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, pirate noir and cowboy magic, beasties and baby super dupers with a dollop of regrettable superheroes to add that little extra zing. Plus, summer has officially begun and the poll of the week is ready for grilling. Aquaman gets a director, Hellblazer gets the shaft, as well as the usual four-way discussion and food for thought. Once more, unto the pop culture breach. Dear spoiler rights, damn the torpedoes and shoot if you must this old gray head. You must give me the major spoilers podcast or give me death. No, wait, I mean cake. And it's on the air. Oh, I think we'll give it that. No, 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 no. Too Kate, late. I Too said, late. Too uh, late. It's been recorded. I'm lucky you're Church of England. It's been recorded. Uh, welcome to Major Spoilers Podcast number 628. 628 of these things. Right. 628. Over the last uh, nine years. We're coming up on our ninth anniversary. Woo. July 4th weekend. A big celebration. Fireworks all across Fireworks the nation. Fireworks all across the nation. Just for Katy us. Perry. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Katy Perry, too. Yeah, yeah. be looking for that on you upcoming Major Spoilers podcast. like a plastic bag drifting through the wind? Uh, I feel looking like a wrecking again. ball. Does that count? That's a different... <laughs> oh. Pretty close. That's a different style. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is, Stephen, you eat nachos like a wrecking ball. Yeah, I do. I eat re- nachos like a boss, yo. <laughs> <laughs> boss nacho. By the way, also Stephen's wrestling persona. <laughs> Oh, yeah, where I put my luchador <laughs> mask on it. It's, got, it's got cheese stains around the chin. <laughs> Weighing uh, 200 and nobody knows pounds. Uh, from parts unknown, boss Nacho. And then, like, one of his kids is like a small wrestler <laughs> named, named Cheese Whiz. <laughs> <laughs> like his little sidekick. Yeah. He, whenever dad gets uh, in trouble, he jumps off the high, high rope or whatever it is. No, it's it's, it's yeah, somebody with a briefcase is what it is. Yeah. And the briefcase is full of nachos. <laughs> you hit him. Chips just go spraying out into the audience. Audience is like, yeah! <laughs> and Rodrigo puts on a mask and calls himself Tiger Millionaire. Oh, man. Tiger Millionaire is the best wrestler name I've ever heard. Is he a millionaire? <laughs> he's a millionaire, but he's also a tiger, yeah. see? And he will, he will, like, he'll try to bribe people. <laughs> yeah. Like in the or, ring? Yeah, it's bought up all fight. the sodas and then dropped them on the ground just to, to uh, rub it in people's faces. Best heel ever. It's mm. pretty good. Yeah. Speaking of uh, heels, looks like NBC is the heel now that they've officially, officially killed Constantine. Ooh. Nah, that's okay. Constantine's been dead six or eight times. He'll be back. Well, that's what everyone was hoping is that another network, CW or the Sci-Fi Channel, which is an NBC station mm-hmm. uh, or network, would have picked up Constantine. But apparently... Both sci-fi and CW pass. CW, I 
figured they would have picked it up. It's like, hey, it's a Warner Brothers show. It's bringing in 3.4 million people a, a, a week to watch our show. Yeah. At least. Yeah, Why don't what we bring it over cost? here? Well, you know, um, I don't know. I only watched like the first couple of episodes, so I don't know what the special effects were. But, yeah. you know, um, Flash was costing, I think, a half a million per ep. And uh, Gotham costs about a million dollars. or th- I'm sorry, $3 million per episode. Flash was a million dollars per episode. So I'm guessing it fell somewhere in between that range. So it may have been too expensive for the CW yeah. to pick up. But well, remember, uh, they're doing Green Arrow and Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, they yep. may be. Yeah, they're probably going to be making tons of money. You can see that's that's only three shows. You could have wedged a fourth show in there and tied mm-hmm. up most of the week. You can do must-see Thursdays with all Well, I don't know if you could do four hours worth of superheroes, but they could have certainly tied up Tuesdays and Wednesdays uh, with a two-hour block each. You know, put, run uh, Constantine, then Arrow, then Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. That's I what have, I would have done. I would have definitely liked to see uh, Constantine move to the CW and do crossovers with those guys. Yes. And for no other reason than... I would like to see those characters cross over to Constantine yeah. so that I could see like the standard Vertigo character just looking at mm-hmm. superheroes like they're colossal morons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it'd be good. I mean, <laughs> it's just not a Vertigo book until like Morpheus runs into Superman and just looks at him like, what are you doing? Or runs into the Sandman and spends three pages just laughing and laughing right. and laughing. It's well, like you know, Swamp had, Thing is like, why are you dressed like that? They had I'm teased, a fungus monster and you're the most ridiculous person <laughs> in this panel. They had teased Dr. Fate multiple times in the show. Uh, with the uh, the Helmet of Fate, uh, that could have been brought in there. We know that Guillermo del Toro is still very interested in doing a Justice League Dark series, mm-hmm. which I think that's fallen apart or put on the way, way, way back burner. But yeah. uh, the word that uh, NBC is not going to renew Constantine came via the show's uh, producer who sent out a long tweet this week and said. Uh, um, sorry. Yeah, basically said sorry. so long and thanks for all the fish. Thank you for letting us in to your so souls. So does this mean that some other place can't pick it up, as in Showtime, HBO, Netflix, Oh, I'm sure somebody could, but at this point, and according to the producer, no one picked it up for the fall season, so it's like, well, sorry. Okay. Yeah, the producer's basically going to move on to a live program, essentially. Yeah, go do something else, something uh, probably more interesting. Well, speaking of Del Toro, um, are we getting a Hellboy 3? That is thing? what, uh, that's what, um, what's his name? Hellboy. Ron oh, Perlman. Ron Once. Ron and he, he, over the last couple of days, was uh, trying to get some, I don't know, oh, some, some hashtag. Some groundswell. Some groundswell, some hashtag thing to go for Hellboy <laughs> 3. And it it's not unreasonable to do mm. that, although I thought Ron had said he was done with Hellboy after the last Hellboy 2, but apparently enough people want it. Hellboy and, 2 uh, was not good. No, it wasn't. I heard Golden it was Army. quite horrible. No, yeah. not very Which good. is sad, because Hellboy 1 was actually pretty good. was actually really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he was trying to do a groundswell on that, because we've seen uh, X-Files do it, and yeah. got mm-hmm. the whole new season coming up, and they just started shooting uh, the other day. Um, Jillian Anderson sent out an Instagram of the set. Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks got back. back. Uh, that's on, with David on Lynch. Showtime, right? That's on Showtime. With Lynch, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, first he was out, and then so many people complained that they now worked a deal at, at Showtime. for more episodes. And then what's another one just recently that got a uh, got a ground swell because of the social media and, and was put into production? Mm. 
Oh, Aquaman, right? After um, after the guy from Entourage said he wasn't going to do it anymore. They, right. Am right, I just right. mixing up my... Uh, Degrassi my got picked up by Netflix. Netflix. Oh, yeah, Degrassi just got picked up by Netflix. They, oh, they canceled it. it. They canceled it. I don't One know what... One can only hope. But, uh, yeah, they finally Netflix said, yeah, we'll pick it up if nobody else wants it. That show's been running, like, forever. Forever. Yeah, yeah I since, running, back to back since with I was a black. kid. That was on the first... Uh, year I worked at my job I have now way back in the year of 2009 I had a TV in my office and somehow I stumbled on Degrassi High watched the crap out of the show it was great when, when Matthew and I it were was kids great. it was Degrassi Junior High wow yeah Degrassi dates back to the 80s although that's nuts I want to say the latest incarnation is from like 2009 something like that you know it's yeah. crazy I think that was the first time I ever saw Kevin Smith do anything was in Degrassi oh, yeah. Degrassi yeah. as a guest yeah and, um, well, he loves Degrassi yeah. Yep, and so does Jason Muse. I think Muse has been on a couple of times. Yeah. So, um, I will say this about Entourage, Rodrigo. Yep. Did you go watch it? I did. (laughs) I was the only person in the theater. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Um, It was a good ninth season. Not a a great ninth season, Mm -hmm. but if they, I mean, it was staggered out to where it could have been chopped up into, and they could have added, there was another third story or fourth story that they could have followed that they didn't, or maybe it's on the cutting room floor or whatever. You could have chopped that up every 20 minutes and it would have been an episode. It would have been a season. Um, The only thing I'll say about the the show, about the movie was Haley Joel Osment would not expect him to show up in this movie. Nice. And at first, until you see his eyes, you don't know it's him. And he's he's not playing himself. He's playing. uh, Oh, really? He's playing the he's uh, this. is So here's the thing. Uh, In the movie, Ari has to get all this money from these investors who are from Texas and uh, the father, played by Billy uh, Bob Thornton, mm-hmm. uh, sends his son, Haley Joel, to California to check everything out and provide some input. And that causes a whole kerfuffle. But what's interesting is Haley Joel and Billy Bob as father and son and the fact that their first appearances and what most people recognize them as are not anything like they look now. Because, you know, Billy Bob was like this kind of overweight, balding guy. Right. And there's sling blade. Yeah. He he is even <laughs> slimmer than he was in uh, Bad Santa. Mm-hmm. And Haley Joel has gotten kind of beefier and, and sure. taller, of course, but totally different from what people remember. Though. He's been in a couple of things. Has he? Yeah, he has yeah. been. Let I me look it up. Just, he's been I in a couple of things. In, I saw dead people and that was it. No, I he's, saw he's been doing he stuff with Max Landis. Yeah, Max Landis oh, yeah, has put right. him in a couple of things. And... Um, Where's my thing? He's he been did something in something recent, recent. Like. Yeah, he was just in another movie. Uh, Hold let's on. See. I have. I, I guess Sleepwalker post production. Yoga Hosers post production. Me, him, her. Yeah, he was in Entourage. Yoga Hosers wrestling. Yeah, that yeah. Kevin Smith thing. Yeah, that's the world not made out yet. straight. Sex Ed. Oh, so he's been he's working been in for episodes you. of Alpha House. Okay, well there you go. Uh, let's see what else is going on in the world. Oh, uh, James Wan is taking control of Aquaman for Warner Brothers. James Wan, who played uh, the villain in Big Trouble in Little China? Come on now. He's the director of Furious 7. Also a bunch of other, I think the first so two Jason Insidious. Jason Wan? I, yeah. No, I think it's, uh, yeah, J- no, James Wan. Oh, James Wan, okay. Jason Momoa oh, okay. plays Aquaman. Okay. I, I, that was not a terrible racist joke. That was actually me asking, because I thought that's what you said was James Wan. No, no. And Wan. I thought he was the guy W-A-N. from Big Trouble. W-A-N. Furious 7, the first in- two okay. Insidious movies, and now Aquaman. I never heard of him. Okay. Well, if you've seen uh, Furious 7, which I'm not sure how many of us have. I have not. I, have not I haven't seen any of the heard I, it's, I heard it's good. I would have gotten I, to see it, but. I never had any. Inter- the that's the thing. Is like uh, people, those last two, like six and seven, people were like, 
These are good movies. I think yeah. you should so you should ludicrous. not you should not come no, no. down on the Furious movies. They're pretty top notch. Was six the one where they had to steal the uh, the armored truck? I that, don't. I they all seem like that's that the one. Seen that in every was. Movie. I think that was Fast Five. <laughs> oh, maybe that's the one that I saw. Oh, when they dragged the truck yes. behind. The, uh-huh. I heard about that. Yeah, it's pretty cray cray. <laughs> I saw something on cable. It may have been Three Fast Three Furious, where they like drove a Corvette off a cliff. That's in all of then, them. Yeah. Okay. There's like, the there's like seven. The, the prequel Chitty Chitty Fast Fast. <laughs> right. That was a good one. Oh, you Chitty Chitty Fast Where you had to steal fast. the flying car from Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> yeah. Before they... he started talking about steak and kidney pie, right? And all, and all they did was start throwing out toot sweets to all the uh, passerbys. <laughs> <laughs> and then for some for some reason, uh, Benny Hill showed up. I, I didn't understand like, that. Uh, the future, weirdly. The future one... Uh, Fast and the Furious Neo Tokyo Drift. <laughs> <laughs> An icon for over 70 years, Aquaman is the king of the seven seas. The reluctant ruler of Atlantis caught between the surface world constantly ravaging the seas and the Atlanteans looking to lash out in revolt is committed to protecting the entire globe. That's the, uh, the synopsis that we have for that. Yeah, get him, Aquaman. You go, man. Unite the seven. Right, so baby. have any have you watched his insidious stuff? No, I have Conjuring? not. Uh, we've talked about. Yeah. I don't my like my dislike of horror movies. Oh yeah, I may have seen part of the Conjuring. It does it have a scary doll in it? It has, according to the poster, a tree with a noose. Paranormal investigators Ed and Lorene Warren work to help a family terrorized by a dark presence in their farmhouse. I may have. That's seen like it. every horror movie ever. <laughs> oh, you know it looks scary. I'm, that, uh, no, um, that movie, <laughs> that next um, M. Night Shyamalan movie about the grandparents that freak out. Oh, yeah. An M. Have Night Shyamalan that? movie. M. Night Shyamalan found footage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no doubt. Ooh. It breaks down like the found footage breaks apart inside the trailer. Yes, like this doesn't trailer, even yeah. this doesn't make any sense. Wow. It is <laughs> absurd. It does look wow. scary because grandparents be be as Stephen would say cray cray. Yeah, yeah. And uh they be doing all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah, that's what Stephen be saying. Um Stephen's <laughs> Stephen's lingo has been on point the uh, last couple last couple weeks. It is pretty it looks I mean it's just like these two kids go to stay with their grandparents for like a week or a summer or whatever mm-hmm. and the grandfather's like, "Well, it's eight o'clock. You guys better lock yourselves in your room. Good night. Uh, if you hear anything outside, don't open the door. And then they open the door and there's like grandma's like clawing at the walls and freaking out. And grandpa's like trying to put a gun, a shotgun in his mouth. And it just yeah. looks spooky. But again, in yeah, Night Shyamalan, in, in Night Shyamalan he footage. kind of uh, ruined it for you himself. Know, so. You know what the twist at the end is? That the movie never happened and you've been asleep the whole time. No, they live in a secret village where it's actually a better movie. You're supposed I to throw water on the audience to wake them up? That stupid it's- village. Hey, uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, craziness, if you've noticed a, a new uh, advertisement all over the Major Spoilers website, that is from Double Take. They have a new campaign going for, apparently I did not know uh, Night of the Living Dead was in public domain. Ooh. And yeah. they have taken that whole movie and expanded it in a series, I think it's 10 10 different um, stories set during that exact same time period of 1966. That's, and, that's uh, why you like could get so night. many VHS I think it's a lot them. of it is the same night or within mm-hmm. the same, within the, you know, from the moment they rise to the moment that it ends up. So right, right. Click, on those, uh, click on those ads, check out their Kickstarter, and see if it's something you want to back. I think one of their lowest entry ones is like five bucks. So mm-hmm. it's, oh, cool. it's not that bad. They're over halfway to their goal. They got a month ago. So that is Double Take. 
Um, nice. They say it on their Kickstarter page. This is a division of uh, Take Two Interactive. Oh, so, those yeah. guys. Yeah. So uh, go check them out. We they made them. one of my video games. Yeah. Thank them for their uh, support. Now they're getting into comic books. Uh, finally, Punisher coming to the next season of Daredevil. Interesting. And a chill fell over the yeah. room. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This is going to be played by John Bernthal. John oh. Bernthal. Oh, I think he's awesome. in The Walking Dead. Yeah, he's, he, uh, yeah. he's Shane from The Walking Dead. He dies. Spoilers. In The Walking Dead? Like everyone. Yeah, yeah. Everybody the, knows that Shane dies in The Walking Dead. Shane yeah, he's the one. He, like episode five. Yeah. 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 No, he doesn't. He doesn't die until like season two or three. Yeah. In the in the book, in the book, he dies right away. Yeah. That was, like the like big, that was like the big thing. People were like, wait a minute. Shane didn't die when he was supposed to. Yeah. What am I looking at? <laughs> we're through the looking glass, people. Black is white. Black, white is black. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's all we know right Which now. Which is confusing cast. when you're the Punisher. I know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Frank Castle scheduled to appear in season two. Any I don't know, man. That that worries me. Why? Well, first of all, you Frank, know how Frank I feel Castle about... Frank Castle is a vigilante who wants to clean up Hell, Hell's Kitchen in any means necessary. Mm. Daredevil, the parts of it that I've seen were really good. Oh, you should watch the whole thing. But it's hewing relatively close to that whole dark and gritty, quote-unquote, realism thing. And I feel like... If you throw the Punisher in there, we're going to have to realistically ask ourselves why a man with high-powered ammunition isn't shooting Daredevil to death. Well, so, well, what's that cover where Daredevil is getting shot in the gut by Punisher? It's not in the gut. He's getting clipped on the side. Oh, well, whatever. I look at that comic for years, pal. I had that thing in a case. That's what I'm saying. That's what it, someone could be. The, it is It is kind of an issue because in one of the themes that they handle in the Daredevil series – is like how is it why is it okay for you to beat the crap out of these guys right it's like how are you any different from these guys right like daredevil does in fact beat up a lot of these guys within an inch of their lives (laughs) sometimes even more yeah and it's like i don't remember if he actually kills anybody but he gets pretty close um so it's like adding the punisher and is like oh here's a guy who actually kills people is like well Daredevil does leave guys with broken ribs in dumpsters. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if he doesn't kill them, maybe he should. They don't say, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing about how many episodes he's in, whether he's a recurring character, whether it's like uh, the episode of Stick, yeah, where be. the Red Claw shows up for like one episode yeah, and then, then they're like gone. That. So it could be that. Uh, who knows? It should be interesting. Also, it looks like Marvel changed the name of AKA Jessica Jones to simply Marvel's Jessica Jones. Yeah. Mm. Did, no they say, did they say if he's playing the Punisher or Frank Castle? Uh, let's see. It says Castle's Ooh, appearance will be dramatic change to the world of Matt Murdock and nothing will be the same. Because weren't they doing that with a couple different characters for well, this? Like they, Kingpin, they don't Kingpin, actually ever call they never him Kingpin. Kingpin and, right? right? But uh, this guy, they probably will come out and say Punisher. I think the actual Marvel well, article They never says, called Daredevil Daredevil until the end, maybe? Yeah. Oh. Nope, he just says his cast is uh, Frank Castle. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So Isn't maybe. it strange that they do that? Oh, but it that? does say he will portray the Punisher. There oh. you go. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, but even like in that, that's the Marvel press release. You're looking that at. is the Marvel press it's release. It's like, how, like, Punisher... Not a small character. I mean, I see people wearing Punisher t-shirts out in the wild. And why don't they just say he's playing Punisher on their headline instead of they're playing character name like Frank Castle? It's that kind of fundamental fear that it's going to sound stupid. Mm. You know, and the the Punisher has connotations in it of 
being spanked by a, a you know a hot teacher too so yeah there's that um yeah it's just that kind of thing where it's like maybe they want to tease the fans just be like it's frank castle and then mm-hmm. everybody who obviously knows who that is are like oh, that's the punisher yeah mm-hmm. i at knew that they, from the headline at least in the marvel's, <laughs> at least in the marvel's press release they do say he'll yeah. play the punisher so there you go yeah. you can check these stories and more out over at majorspoilers.com and uh, while you're over there why don't you give that amazon link a clickety click clickety clickety or if you've got an old uh old school uh, mouse maybe a clackety clack Everything that you buy when you go through that link over at Majorspoilers.com, a little bit comes back to us. What did somebody say? They bought like a um, $14,000 piece of equipment the other day. Wow. Is that a car? They buy a car? I don't know what they bought, but it was super expensive, they said. And uh, so a little bit comes back our way. Maybe it, was, maybe it was one of those saws that are made out of a cable. Oh, have you seen those saws Ooh. where like it won't cut your finger? Yeah, our, our high school had one in our... Our shop teacher tested it on his own finger. Wow. It was terrifying. You're supposed, you're supposed to do it on a hot dog. Yeah, he did. No, he, they did it on a hot dog. And then, oh, no, he didn't. I watched the guy who made it do it on his finger. Yeah, yeah. They did it as a hot dog because it breaks the blade. Yes. Yeah. It just it, completely it breaks the blade. It seizes the blade up instantly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. The guy, if you can get on the on YouTube and watch the guy stick his finger in a table saw, it is terrifying. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Some crazy things on the internet. Technology. People. Some crazy yeah. things out there. Maybe they bought that new DARPA bowl that can like hurdle things. <laughs> those things are. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that one? Yeah, those are awesome. I like to show Aubrey those videos because she gets terrified that robots are <laughs> going to come kill us. Over, it's jumping over like three different heights <laughs> yeah. of fence. It's awesome. But then just show her the new one that uh, was the DARPA. Ch- uh, some No, I think it was a DARPA challenge this weekend where it was a bipedal robot competition and the robots are just like it's just this <laughs> laugh reel of these robots falling over left and right awesome yeah well they have those ones in japan that can play soccer so yeah have you ever seen what is that little one's called uh not asimo awesome oh, there's the asimo Maybe yeah that's the, the ones they have the at the university yeah 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 one where of he our... kicks the balls and everything and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes robots gone wild pow ow uh robots <laughs> That'd be a great yes. late night comedy central. Robots gone wild. You could see their circuitry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole different other audience. But those girls aren't wearing their casings. <laughs> Planet was... Express ship, cover your shame. <laughs> Let us get to some reviews. Uh, so this week, out this week. Wally sex tape. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's it (laughs) great that's great (laughs) 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 the six gun valley of death number one comes out this week from brian uh brian hurdle and ac uh zamundio zamundio zamudio there you go uh so this takes place before the time of the sixth gun before the the main series of the sixth gun and it's kind of uh, it's kind of different because what has happened in this story that we find out is a group of uh, this Indian tribe has just been massacred, right? And the tribe was massacred by a bunch of white guys, but um, apparently there was uh, death had essentially slipped through this door in between the realms of of Earth and death, and the only way that they could contain death was to offer a massive human sacrifice. And so this was taking place in this Indian tribe, so they just killed everybody there. Uh, But the problem is, so there's one problematic thing with it, uh, but those white guys are gone throughout the rest of the story. Problem is, when they contained death, it left this doorway open between the worlds. And now these four different tribes are coming together to figure out a way to close this door. And uh, by the end of the issue, it looks like there's some 
dead zombies coming up and trying to get them. But there is an interesting character, and I forget what his name is, but essentially he's old Scratch because he keeps talking about, I'm going to go down to the crossroads and do this kind of stuff. And uh, one of the uh, Indians is just like, wait a minute, um, can't you go anywhere? Why are you still hanging around? And he's like, yeah, but with this doorway open, I can only go here. So he's essentially stuck where he's at. And so he is helping them to figure out a way. So it should be very, very interesting as this series progresses. Uh, the art is very cool. Um, it's, it's dark and I don't mean dark, like heavy inking and stuff, but the coloring is like super heavy. Hmm. Um, and it just gives this feeling of foreboding throughout the entire thing. Uh, of course the four different tribes are very different and very unique. Um, you've got each of the tribes with their, and it's not like the whole war party is coming. It's like a, um, like a hunting party, a small group of, of, uh, tribesmen. And I think there's only like six or seven of them total. And by the issue, issues in most of them are died, have been killed off. Uh, one of the ones that survives is the, what's her name? She's a witch essentially, but she is the one that talks with the vultures. So she can go into Buzzard kind wife. of the spirit world. Buzzard wife. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, she can go and talk to them. And so she's part of the party. It is, it's very interesting because much of the, much of what's going on in the story is just like telling you what's going on in this world and why these tribes are having to come together. Um, so it's like heavy a on the exposition. It's thing. a heavy on the exposition light on the, I mean, there's a lot of action in there, but there's light on light on character development, but heavy on the exposition, but it was still very interesting. I think if you're a sixth gun fan, I think you'll get a kick out of this. Um, but if you want to see some, some uh, Indians beat the crap out of some uh, spirits, and some spirits also tear, tear them apart. Uh, those last couple of pages are really, really heavy. Uh, so uh, I'm giving this four slices of meatloaf out of five. Mm. I thought it was really interesting. I want to see what it means when this doorway is open. I want to see what the, the part of this kind of devil person is and how um, he may ultimately betray one of the characters. I want to see how that goes. Uh, I want to see what else comes through that doorway of death. This is the Six Gun Valley of Death number one. Four out of five slices of meatloaf. That's where the the, the uh, phrase death's door comes from. There you go. All right, Matthew, what do you got for us this week? Well, I got something that I've actually been looking forward to for a while. And, and you know, you think about your superheroes. For every superhero who really hits it big, there's the losers and the failures and the also-rans and the other guys. And we call those Matthew's favorites. But... John Morris, uh, known to many as Calamity John Morris, actually calls it the League of Regrettable Superheroes. Uh, out this week, I think the second, so last week rather, from Quirk Books. And basically what this is, is a hundred odd pages of comic book history. You know, I, I fancy myself an amateur comic book historian. And I have to tell you guys something. If you've ever read my stuff and gone, Holy crap, some of this stuff is really, really, really obscure. I want you to understand what it means when I tell you that out of the hundred superheroes in this book, I haven't heard of eight. Wow. That means that nearly 10% of what's in this book is more obscure than my oeuvre, which should tell you a little bit of something about the level of detail in the book. The really fascinating thing about it, and this is the thing that I love, this is the part that's going to make me say whether or not you buy this book. There are literally dozens, hundreds of sites out there that will take 
something and say, oh, here's a guy who appeared in one episode of the world's finest comics in 2006. And basically what it boils down to is LOL fail. This is this is stupid character. My love of Matter Eater Lad has gotten to the point where I don't I don't even bother to look for Matter Eater Lad on the Internet. People talk about arm fall off boy and they think that it's a new punchline. It's, you know, the kind of banality that really upsets me because a lot of times what they're making fun of isn't actually part of the character. It's the yeah, equivalent of yeah. saying Aquaman talks to fish. That's right. stupid. No, it's not. Aquaman controls freaking whales. You ever been hit with a whale? Zach? No, not yet. Haven't. Not yet. Okay. But in this Bucket book, list. <laughs> in this book, <laughs> what John does is really wonderful because you get about a page or a page and a half, depending on the character, you get images of their original appearances, even back to the golden age, 1939, 40, 41. You get an analysis of what's up with the character, but he's not afraid to tell you what's good about them, too. It's not like, say, Justin Wright, one of the guys that I had heard of, one shot guy from Quality Comics from 1941. Kind of an OK hero. We don't really know a lot about him. There are things in that story that are great. There are things in that story that are dumb. And he lays it out. This is the good stuff. This is the dumb stuff. And the best part is, even when you're talking about a character like Skate Man or Hollow Man or one of my favorites, the 3D Man, there are things to make fun of. Some of these characters are ridiculous. And he doesn't shy away from saying that. And some of the jokes in here are really good. I'm going to try not to steal them, but I can't make any any guarantee. So if you're listening, Calamity John... Real sorry, I stole all your stuff, bro. But all in all, what it is, is a really respectful, really entertaining look at just tons of comic history. And it's stuff that I've had the book in my hand for about six days. And I've been doing my research because the next time if this comes around and he does a sequel, there will not be eight that I don't know. It ain't going to happen. Um, but here's what you need to know. Five out of five slices of meatloaf for League of Regrettable Superheroes. This is good stuff. And I think that if you're somebody who looks at, you know, weird, goofy comic books and you want to go ha ha and point and laugh at the likes of Dr. Bong, you can do that. But you're going to be able to do it with actual knowledge of what's happening behind the scenes. And I, I, uh, I follow him on Twitter and I tweeted this morning something about Brother Voodoo being in the book. Apparently, he's been getting a lot of static about who is and isn't in the book. It's important to know that even if your favorite is in this pa in these pages, it's not disrespectful. It's actually saying, look, straight up, this character is good for these reasons. Maybe the 3D man's costume is a hideous, freakish hot mess. You know, and I, I, I live with that. I think I can own that. So once again, five slices of meatloaf. You should really check this out. It's, it's not particularly pricey. It's a hardback copy that I have. It's a really nice package and a nice book. The um, he's got a website that he runs, right? Yes, gone and forgotten. It's gone, gone and dash forgotten. That's the one and doing. dash forgotten dot blogspot dot com. Great stuff. I uh, I've been reading that since like the late nineties. That has a lot of these characters on there, though, right? Yes and no. Some of the characters are duplicates. Even when it's a duplicate character, it's not the same material. Yeah, so he's rewritten it, though. Yeah. Well, yes and no. Some of it is completely different. Uh, for instance, there's um. Oh, now I can't remember the freak's name. But there's one character that if you go and you read the Gone and Forgotten stuff, mm -hmm. it touches on a couple of the same points, but it's kind of a completely different thing because Gone and Forgotten does have a slight element of point and laugh to it that isn't necessarily present here in the books. And like I say, if, if you're getting to the point where somebody 
who's read as much comic book crap as I have is going, wow, this is interesting new material. I, you got something special on your hands. Yeah, there you go. All right, Matthew, thank you for that. That is a hardbound book. It is out this week from or out last week from Cork Books. Cork Books. Yep, you can get that on the uh, Amazon link. You can if you click it on major spoilers. Yep. Yep. All right, Rodrigo, what do you have? I have uh, something that's a little complex. Okay. So. Yay. Yes. Uh, So (laughs) you can go. So Zach and Matthew, you can go to sleep. Steven, you're not allowed to go to sleep. Not why? Oh, all right. Because I got to tell you when you're. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, you got to give me signals (laughs) to wrap it up. All right, complex Uh, boy. Go for it. Uh, So. Um, what I'm reviewing today is a role-playing game. Yay! This is a this is uh, what I'm also reviewing is, or or what I actually read is a PDF mm-hmm. that contains what the developers call a 90% complete version of the game. So right. it's actually just needs just some refinement, editing, polishing, maybe, a and few, also uh, yeah, in like there. formatting and stuff like that. Yeah. Like put it into an actual book. So yeah. it doesn't have any of the illustrations. It doesn't have any of the art or anything like that. Um, I've seen some of the pieces of art, but I'm not going to be talking about that stuff because the book's not out yet. I believe. No, it's not. But they have reached their uh, Kickstarter goal. They were looking at fifty thousand dollars. Twenty two days left to go. They've got eighty one thousand dollars already made. So, so to give some background, this book, Beast the Primordial, comes from. Um, Onyx Press or Onyx Path Press, which are the guys that are currently handling the White Wolf properties. So your Vampire the Requiem or Masquerade, your Werewolf, your Mage, that sort of thing. Um, again, some more background. There was a company called White Wolf. There was the guys doing Vampire the Masquerade. They kind of started going under a the company that does Eve Online bought them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then. They fully went under, but the company just wanted the properties. And mm-hmm. since then, this Onyx Path Publishing was like, we'll do them. We'll just do the books. If you let us use them, you can get a cut of the money. We'll get a cut to the money. And our print-on-demand guys will get a cut of the money. So all of those books are now almost exclusively print-on-demand, except for the deluxe editions, which you get through the Kickstarter, or which the Kickstarter is for. It's a really interesting yeah. business. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, no. business model. It's very, it's very 2010. Well, and that's ahead. It, it almost sounds like, and I haven't gone through their whole Kickstarter campaign, but it sounds very much like what Archie was trying to do. Hey, these books are coming out, but if you want them, exactly, n- exactly. sooner. It's, well, it's, do this. it's like basically the Kickstarter for the Prestige Edition. Yeah, yeah. funds mm. the entire thing. Yeah, mm, yeah, interesting. Which is, which is also they are saying that's not the case, but I think that's totally the case Mm. like it's unofficially that's the case i think in any Mm. case um the actual thing beast the primordial Now, let me ask you this before you get into this okay how did you get a hold of the pdf was this something they released for free it's right on part of your right on the kickstarter okay i didn't know if that was um part of your campaign reward or if it was if you i see it yep like if you go to the kickstarter it says kickstarter when it gets down to the book like right below that or right before the project, you can just click on it and read the actual text. Holy crap, 450 pages. It's There's a lot there. And I'm not going to lie, I haven't read the entire thing, but I've read most of it. Okay, so fill us in. All right. What so, kind of world is this, fantasy? No. 
uh, Beast the Primordial. Um, <laughs> and if you're just hearing that title and you're familiar with it, you know, it takes place in the World of Darkness, just like your Vampire the Requiem and Mage the Ascension and uh, Promethean the Created, whatever you're into. Um, the World of Darkness is a world much like our own, except a little bit darker and a little bit weirder. All of the things that go bump in the night are actually there just beyond your view. You can kind of see them, but uh, they don't let you see them until they come to eat you. In most <laughs> World of Darkness games, you're yeah. actually playing that thing. That oh, comes you're playing to one of those monsters. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, uh, beasts are the monsters of, of legend. Your uh, trolls, giants, krakens, rocks chupacabras mermaids that sort of thing the creatures that are like just beyond human uh understanding and basically they come from uh the they manifest out of the communal fears of and like instinctive fears of humanity i like that so they're broken down into five families and they kind of take on these epic monstrous archetypes because of it so like one of the families is like the uh like your fear of impotence and uselessness mm-hmm. like against like so these are these guys are like have powers that make them huge and super strong and monstrous it's that it's that thing that you can't get away from yeah it's that it's godzilla it's that thing that you can't possibly beat right there's ones that are the fear of being alone or rather the feel of the the fear of suddenly realizing that you're not alone Ooh. um there are I- ones that are like nightmares of disgust or like realizing that like some part of your anatomy is falling off or is diseased in some way um that kind of thing um there's ones that are like the fear of the depths uh, yeah. which everyone's afraid of you know big deep scary things mm-hmm. um and then the last ones are the fears of exposure which aren't just your fear of that report that you're giving for class and you're naked but also of being <laughs> like exposed having no place to hide and knowing that there's something out there yeah and there's no place for you to hide right Mm -hmm. so um psychologically those are all very cool um they have powers called atavisms atavisms Mm -hmm. atavisms um that's an actual word sure um and i've i've read it like like so many uh role-playing game fanatics i've read these words before and i know what they mean but Upon wanting to pronounce that, I'm like, I don't know how that's pronounced. <laughs> a Tavisam. Yeah. Um, hey, I've I've seen it. I've I've seen people be like, anyway, like my character's background is he's an artesian. I'm like, do you mean artisan? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And I can't count how many times we've gone into melee combat. Yep. Melee combat is like, oh yeah, I'm adjacent to this character. It's like, no, I think you're adjacent to that character. <laughs> You get that. You get that with role-playing games. Anyway, um, so uh, your character realizes that he's actually secretly a dream monster after living about, you know, five to ten years as a human. Mm. Um, and that you have to kind of feed your monster urges. Otherwise, your dream self is just going to go out and eat your family. That sort of thing. <laughs> um and the game basically banks on that tension. Also, if things go particularly bad, um, the universe picks some person relatively close to you to become a hero and come kill you. 
it's it's a pretty interesting dynamic. Um, the game is uh, concept wise very cool and very interesting. It's working on some um, interesting ground, and it has a lot of selling points. One of which is that it's designed to be crossover friendly. Yeah. Mm. So you can throw a beast into your werewolf game, or you can have a game in which you have like a vampire and a werewolf and a beast, and the beast's powers a lot of the time are designed to maintain that cohesion um, a little better. Um, so that's kind of what's good about beast. What's bad about beast is that it's kind of scattered and it takes a very kind of icky moral path. Like you um, have to kill such and such types. Yeah. The, the book seems to, basically be like well you're this kind of inhuman monster and you're supposed to walk this path in between and then spends a lot of time justifying why it's okay for you to eat people yeah yeah, and then when they pitch you heroes like these humans that are like suddenly appear to come kill you they really paint them as huge bastards oh yeah so it makes like they're like Supposed to make it a little bit yeah, more it, easier to right, digest. right, right. It's like it's easier to fight a hero, but it like it's interesting because World of Darkness games specifically walk like a moral tightrope, right? They're like yeah. you're a vampire, you are naturally a predator, you feed on people, you're also trying to maintain your secrecy and identity, and trying not to succumb to being a horrifying monster. And usually they do it well. They play that tension between being something that's not human and trying to live among humans, right? And your bad guys or your worst guys in those games tend to be the guys who give up on that, who Mm -hmm. are like, well, I'm just an inhuman monster and I'm going to eat everyone. Yeah, Those tend to be your NPCs that oppose the PCs who are trying to maintain their humanity. In Beast, that kind of seems backwards. It seems like all of the usual moral quandaries aren't there and the quandaries end up being somewhere else that's kind of you know, just not that great. You can you can play a game of Beast that doesn't bring that into play. But as a game master, I feel if I was running this game, I would have to do a lot of policing of yeah, my players say, and have... the themes in which they are leaning into to try to keep the game under control. It seems like... Yeah, it seems like it would bring out the worst in players. You'd have to be a very lot, selective of the people a lot if you of... wanted the game to be balanced yeah a lot of people have pointed to the fact that the way that beasts feed is by basically scaring the crap out of people and that makes them abusers and the beasts can't help it but that is a common uh excuse that people who are abusive use that they're doing it for your own good or that's just the way they are or it's just how they were raised or that sort of thing right so there's a lot of understandable objections to the narrative or at least the um, kind of the implications of the narrative of Beast on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are arguing pretty hardcore against it. Um, you know, my read of it is that that stuff is definitely there. Uh, there's a game also from White Wolf called uh, Changeling the Lost. And that game is very um, both kind of satisfying and compelling 
because it's actually the opposite. You play a creature that has been kind of kidnapped. Right. Like you play a person who was kidnapped yeah, you're by an otherworldly person yeah. and then you escape and return to your life. Right. You're changed by the experience, but you are yourself kind of this victim who's trying to put their life back together, mm-hmm. which is a lot more compelling that you are the monster that did that to someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a little bit less of like, oh, why are we the protagonists again? Mm-hmm. Um, which leads me to Beast's other major issue, which is one of its selling points is actually, I feel, one of its weak points because they're like, this is big crossover friendly stuff. But being like the 11th or 12th game line in the World of Darkness... It has very little ground to tread on that hasn't already been tread by other stuff. Yeah. It's like your predator, like your predator balance, human predator balance is covered by vampire. Your big scary monster is covered by werewolf. Your monster of legend slash feeding off of people's fears slash dreams slash whatever is covered by changeling. Your, you're an inhuman monster trying to retain your humanity is covered by Promethean. It's like all of these games are already doing this stuff and they're actually kind of doing it better. Um, you know, the terms that Beast uses, for example, both Vampire and Changeling already have something called Beast. Yeah. So does this feel more like a DLC pack? It does. It does kind of feel like that, especially with the emphasis on crossover yeah. and all that stuff. Now, um, all of these, like most of these games, uh, Vampire, Changeling, Werewolf, Mage, benefit from a long history and multiple editions. Mm-hmm. The New World of Darkness versions of them, you can gauge as being more or less successful than their predecessors, but they benefit from that. Beast is a new game. Mm. Um, so it doesn't have anything previous to draw on except the other current World of Darkness games. So there's a lot of reasons to forgive Beast for its uh, trip-ups and, and weirdness, but I don't know. Altogether, like... There's some really cool ideas, some really cool systems, some really smart writing in this. But for everything that I'm like, this, this is what I would do with this game. I'm going to base a game around this. A paragraph later, I'm like, I couldn't possibly run this game. So too bad. Yeah, it leads me with a book that appears to be a good read. And if previous World of Darkness games are any indication, it's probably going to have some fantastic art from what I've seen in the Kickstarter previews. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be a cool book to have and probably not a game that I'm ever going to run, which, you know, there's some good company there. Like the current version of mage, I'm pretty cold on. Yeah. Um, just because of the, I don't like the themes necessarily, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. Right. So I want to give it three slices of meatloaf. Um, you know, if you're, if you're not too squicked out by stuff, go to their Kickstarter page, read the PDF. Um, and, uh, if you do it within the next probably 20 days Good from when this you. comes out, uh, you can still fund it. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Thanks, Rodrigo. Um, yeah, that's too bad uh, that you didn't like it. I'm sure uh, obviously a lot of people must you know, like it because like, they gave you the whole PDF and it still blew past their, their funding yeah, goal. A lot of people like it. A lot of people are into it. A lot of people are like, well, I'm just not going to focus on those themes. But the way that it reads, to me, it just seems pretty hard not to have those themes just pop up on you. I kill a person. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, cool. Uh, Zach, yes. you've got a Marvel book this week. I do. A part of Secret Wars. Uh-oh. Secret Ooh, Wars. Secret Wars. There's a war happening. Uh, but this is not 
so wary. I'm reading Scotty Young, Giant Size, Little Marvel, AVX, which I was surprised. It's like, are we still doing a Mar- Avengers versus X-Men stuff? I don't yes, think it so. ever and, ended. Oh, uh, great. Because it still so, happened uh, in Scotty Young's mind, and I enjoy it. Uh, this issue starts off by saying, hey, uh, actually, there's like a little, if you could... If you could, if someone would make a like a really funky '90s beat, there's like a theme a theme song that goes along with this. That would be fun. Someone should do that on the internet. It's like, hey, this something's called Battle Worlds happening. Uh, people are fighting, but guess what? There's a better place, a special place, and uh, Avengers. It's on Avengers Street in X Men way, and then it jumps into all the little kids battling it out. And there's like two main little stories uh, right at the beginning. Uh, Iron Man and Captain America destroy Magic's toy, and so she's unleashing horrible, horrible uh, monsters on them, which is great in Scotty Young's super uh, fun art style. But then the the main part of this book is like a street cook-off to see which team can get the most people to eat their food. It starts the off Avengers with... The Avengers or the X-Men have to see which group gets... Yeah, okay. yeah it starts off with Icemen's trying to sail... Uh, um, the blob and toad some ice cream. They're like, no, we don't want some ice cream. We want hot dogs. And out of nowhere, Captain America comes out uh, selling some all-American non-frozen hot dogs. Of course he would. Of course. Uh, but then Blob's like, I want a burger. And Wolverine across the street just whips out a grill, starts doing some burgers. Uh, then Tongue's like, you know what? I don't want a burger. I want some ribs. Thor pulls out some uh, Horgon Horgon ribs straight from Asgard. So it just keeps going back and forth with Chili and Iron Man pulls out his crazy, crazy food truck. Uh, Storm Storm makes it rain. And then they, uh, Deadpool's like, oh, did they just make a a, a rain joke? Uh, But that leads into what I think is one of my favorite little uh, in jokes or just like just dropped in a joke here uh, of this issue where they're all lined up at Cyclops's uh, brat stand. And one person's like, I want a bratwurst. Uh, someone's like, me too. Side of O negative if you have it. And, then, <laughs> and facing the entire opposite direction is baby Daredevil saying, I'll have the Diablo nachos. He's just looking out into nowhere, <laughs> <laughs> trying to order some food, Terrible. which is just hilarious. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I started laughing out loud. When I, I was like, I read the word balloon. And I looked down to see who it was, and it was just Daredevil looking the opposite direction. Oh, <laughs> which was funny. Uh, Cyclops, uh, Cyclops keep keeps making an eye for an eye jokes throughout this whole issue, mm. and people might continually just say, "Hey, Cyclops, by the way, you're the worst. You are the worst yeah. person ever." Yeah. Um, so just a lot of fun. There's a lot of uh, Spider Gwen makes, I believe, her first Marvel uh, babies kind of kid appearance. Uh, Tony Stark hits on her, and she she's like, he's like, hey, you want to go be my date to the movies tonight? And she's like, no, you're a kid, and you have a mustache and a go cre- uh, goatee, and you look like a creep. <laughs> Great. Uh, the weird thing about this issue, which was wonderful, I mean, you get a lot of crazy... Uh, fights throughout the issue and they're all the kids like huge splash pages everyone's in the thing they're all doing uh they're cool fun powers and just fun fun time uh but they uh at the end this moving truck comes in which isn't which is uh, not a u-haul but it's an mu haul and uh, uh they go hey 
someone's uh oh what do they say someone's moving in someone's moving into the old richard house it's like ah fantastic four get out of here you're not you're not in the marvel anymore uh, <laughs> and who pull, comes out of the van but twins uh and it's cyclops and captain america both on panel saying hey twins awesome we want we, we call dibs and they both at the same time like oh that's because fox and, Mar- and uh, marvel with the twins uh, a lot of fun stuff like that happening uh, throughout this issue. It's probably going to be the only thing I read of Secret Wars. Um, I haven't seen much that have been too gung-ho to read. I saw, I almost read Armor Wars this week, but I decided, nah, better not. I'll read some uh, Baby Marvel stuff instead. I've never read some of the stuff that I haven't haven't liked. Yeah. It's always nice when they start doing these big events because you are kind of guaranteed you're going to get like a Scotty Young Marvel Kids thing. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, looking at ahead to the rest of Secret Wars and what's coming out in the months ahead, I think almost every major story has at least one Scotty Young variant cover. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. And they did at the very end say there's going to be another one. Um, what's it called? My Conixology app is running very slow. Um, Secret Wars next issue hardball and it looks like the kids will be playing some dodgeball so uh, that should be a fun fun time I really dig these books I think they're great for young and old you get introduced to a lot of characters if you haven't seen them but if you knew a lot of know a lot of the characters going into this book you'll get a lot uh, even more jokes and see people all throughout the pages in the background um, I love Scotty Young's art it's just a whole lot of fun. It's just super consistent. And uh, it can, it like does violence in a weird way where it doesn't seem as violent because it just seems goofy that kids are fighting each other all the time. Um, and they even address violence. They're like, hey, why do those two guys, it was like, like Punisher, no, it was Bishop and, um, oh gosh, who's the Robert, Rob Liefeld. Cable. Uh, yeah, cable. cable. They're like, should the kids really have guns? They're like, oh, don't worry. We switched out their bullets for uh, just lights. So it's just like a giant laser pointer. And they're both yelling, I'm from the future. And like, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Whole lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to give this four out of five slices of meatloaf. Cool. Just remember, Zach, if you can dodge Secret Wars, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> uh, let's get to the major spoilers poll of the week. Call of the week. Summertime means grilling time. And what are you going to slap on the grill, Rodrigo? Hamburgers or hot dogs? Uh, I, and why? Oh, um, I I prefer burgers. Uh, and I think it's partially because hot dogs tend to be a little bit more easy to make. So it's like if I ever feel like a hot dog, I can mm. throw a... Uh, Frank Porter mm-hmm. into a microwave, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's that. But like a burger, I actually have to like get out something and like cook it, mm. like actually mm-hmm. cook it. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm out grilling, by which I mean whenever I crash someone else's, <laughs> I I try to I try to go for a burger if at all possible. Okay, Matthew, what about you? See, it's a it's kind of a complicated thing for me because I do like the grill and. The uh, local quick shop has really, really, really great hot dogs. But if you're not on the like the spinny thing that cooks them all the way the round and the round and the round, and you get them before they're a terrifying gas station hot dog, they're good. 
but usually when I when I go to grill and buy grill, I mean, um, you know how the big lion just sits there and the other lions bring him things. I'm the big fat lion. I have people bring me hamburgers because you can you I eat a lot of hamburgers. You can get a hamburger anywhere, but there's something about a grilled hamburger that is different from anything you get from any fast food type yeah. place. A grilled hot dog is basically just a hot dog, and they usually bust open or they get all blackened and charred. And that's the best. That's kind. nuts. Uh, but it's not as it's not as much fun. It's a different experience. I like a good grilled burger, whereas a hot dog kind of turns into you know. It reminds you of the fact that it is, in fact, an amalgam of leftover meat bits mm-hmm. from the bottom of and the fat. Things. Yeah, and like that's yeah. What makes it good. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, I like me a good Nathan's hot dog. Uh, yeah, especially when they get nice and blackened, and you can bite into them and that whatever. I don't know if uh, Nathan's uses a real casing or if it uses a uh, fake casing, gelatinous casing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, something about biting into a hot dog and he- having that snap. Mm-hmm. Of course, if I had my druthers, I'd. Rather cook bratwurst. A couple people mentioned that in the comic section. Sure. Mm-hmm. But the choice was hot dogs or burgers, so I'm going to have to go with the lesser of the bratwurst, the wiener. Right. And, uh, and uh, you know, throw a little mustard, throw a little ketchup, throw a little relish. Brat- bratwurst vulgaris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, hot dog for me, although I don't have any problem cooking hamburgers. Um, usually when the grill fires up, it goes, it goes in this order. First the bratwurst, then the steaks, mm. then the chicken thighs. And... Uh, that's what we cook, and we'll cook a big mass of them all at once, and then freeze some of them and thaw them out again later. Mm. They taste good. Zach, what about you? For me, I went with the more versatile of the options, which I believe is the hamburger. Because uh, while I like hamburgers, I also like a nice turkey burger. It's good. Uh, we've made avocado and black bean burgers for your veggie style. Mm-hmm. They're great. I like them. Put a little uh, uh, barbecue sauce on there. Little red onion, you know. You have you have you have yourself a nice nice meal. Uh, I, f- I I I'm fine with hot dogs. I have a bad past with hot dogs. I threw them up at the Cosmosphere. Oh yeah, one one day oh, in my old yeah. I mean, I mean, I threw up all the way from the IMAX theater to the bathroom. It was fantastic. Uh, but I really dig on hamburgers because you you can go mayonnaise, you can go mayonnaise, mustard, mayonnaise, barbecue sauce. I found this new mayonnaise sriracha, yeah. which is uh, great for a burger. And I'm not a big fan of my hot dogs with getting fancy with them. I don't like putting onions and sure. stuff on there. I just think this is a hot dog. I eat these things out of the packaging when I was little. It's like what's what's let's call they're, it what it is. Pretty cooked. Yeah, I mean they're just a thing. I really like hamburgers, and that's what I always go for at a barbecue. But I mean, there are, are great. There are kind of these. Um, uh, geographical styles of eating hot dogs, like mm-hmm. your New York dog. Mm-hmm. There's like a great uh, dog. There's a great documentary on PBS about the history of the hot dog. Oh, it's really? fascinating. Fascinating. Talks about all the different types of hot dogs. How uh, in some places you'll call them a wiener or a uh, hot dog or a Red Links or whatever. And Coney Dog. It goes into all the different uh, regional yeah. variations of the hot dog and. Uh, makes your mouth water and then of course they show you how the hot dogs are made so people are like have you ever seen how a hot dog is made yeah you take the leftovers you put them together and you squirt it out have you ever seen how they kill a cow i mean sure. <laughs> you know yeah, the same thing's going either intense. way i don't know so, yeah I, I mean i think it, there's there's kind of this thing in the u.s where like people tend to be pretty separate from yeah, yeah. how their food gets made right. like they don't like to think about it right mm-hmm. but 
I think in other places, everybody's like, yeah, dude, this is made out of uh, an animal. Yeah. Like, you well, kill the animal, and then you eat the animal. And, even and if, you don't want to waste any part yeah. of the animal, so you turn it into hot dogs. Yeah. So, uh, and even even if you look at, like, the German wiener, you know, the, the bratwurst, sure. Sure. they have no problems of saying, hey, look, we take the intestine, yep. we pack all of this extra stuff in there, and cook it up. Yeah. So if you've, if you've ever eaten anything with chorizo, what do you think chorizo is? Yeah. Chorizo totally is what exactly is that. What is or it? Or what's the other... Um, what am I thinking of that's like just regular just intestines? That's not, what's another word for it? Small. Not chorizo. Haggis? No, 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 no. Oh, tripe. That's what I'm thinking sure. of. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. that stuff. Blood sausage. Yeah. Blood sausage, mostly blood. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, Bam. when people are like, I would never eat a hot dog because I know how they're made. Well, cows are kind of made the same way, except they're not putting an intestine. Also, do you know how marshmallows are made? Yes. No. Puff up that sugar, son. Uh, marshmallows are made out of uh, kind of osseous byproducts like hooves and bones and yeah. stuff. Oh, really? What do you think Jello's made out of? That? That's what gelatin is. Horses' hooves. Oh, yeah. That's like why glue. vegans. That's yeah. That's why vegans can't eat marshmallows. Oh, did you know Oreos are vegan? I did not know that. Dad watched that and learned that on a movie. Just thought I'd throw that tidbit out there. I keep telling <laughs> we keep telling everyone that because it just blew my mind. Because I'm flat. Well, it's probably just all th- synthetic anyway. So it's like that makes sense. They're they're petroleum byproducts. <laughs> yep. Petroleum byproduct. There you <laughs> Which go. I guess wouldn't be vegan because well, well, the majority of oil is actually plants. Yes, also so poisonous. Matthew, how's as uh, everybody <laughs> votes so far in the major spoilers poll of the week? <laughs> Sorry, I just had one of those moments where my brain exploded. A uh, hundred and nine votes are looking right now. A massive, massive overvote. One hundred and ten while we were talking. Eighty-six percent voting hamburgers. Fourteen percent. All 110 people, so 15 guys and ladies, like themselves, their hot dogs. I think the problem is that hot dog bun has sesame seeds on it. What kind of lunatic puts sesame seeds on a hot dog bun? That is weird. See, I like usually I'll just let let Matthew uh, kick, kick your shins about the picture. But that is weird that you found a hot dog with sesame seeds and a hamburger without or without. I never buy buns with sesame seeds on them. Hot dog. I've actually never seen a hot dog with sesame seeds or hamburger buns. Usually you just you got you grab you buy the cheap ones at Dylan's or Walmart. Yeah. They're just I don't know. What, I don't know what you call it. Non sesame, I guess. Yeah. They're regular is what they are. So <laughs> I do buy I, I I I do buy like burger buns with sesame seeds sometimes. Yeah, like just, just as a treat. Just as like a little the fancy add on. Yeah, problem yeah. is, I've got kids, and they are the freaking pickiest eaters in the world. I don't even know why I buy hot dog buns because when it comes to actually eating the hot dog, one of them uses the hot dog bun as just the holder. And mm-hmm. so he keeps like, shoving like, the, the, the dog like a up to the top, and he eats oh. just the hot dog and he sets the rest there. That's the other one will eat like two bites of the hot dog in the bun, and then the rest he just picks the hot dog up out of the bun and shoves it in his mouth. And Kids. so it's just like, what the heck? And then, you know, of course, when it comes to hamburgers, uh, you've got one that just will have a fit if you don't put cheese on it. And the other one has a fit if you do put cheese on it. Right. So it's like, what do you want? Just to eat your food. Yeah. No, I, I Gina, eat the ham. Most kids treat stuff like hot dogs and fries and burgers are just as just a vehicle for ketchup. What they're yeah, interested yeah. Oh, yeah, in yeah, yeah. Is, is the, the ketchup. ketchup. Yeah, uh-huh. definitely because the youngest that's all he wants. He's like, "Can I have ketchup with my What did he have the other day? Soup. Well, it was something it was like something you would never ever ever 
want to have ketchup with. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he was wanting to dip his apple slices into the ketchup. Mm-hmm. No. And I'm like, no, good. that's gross. And he's like, no, Dad, it's good. And he just sat there and did it the whole time. Oh. And I was like, oh, you're disgusting. And then um, – You disgust me, child. <laughs> on the plus side, this kid has discovered the love of um, the uh, sweet chili barbecue wings from Pizza Hut. Basically, it's a mm-hmm. barbecue wing with the um, – uh, sweet chili sauce sure. baked on. And that kid, he sat there for an hour one night. I was like, you need to stop eating. You're going to throw up because he just sat there and he just chew on these chicken wings and then he'd get another one and just chew on his dad. These are good. I just want to eat these all the time. Kids are into sugar. I guess that's but with him, he had no reaction to it, which was a surprise. And I will pride myself on good parenting all these years where I've said soda was bad for him. Uh, I poured him a little bit tonight. Said, "Here you go." He goes, "Dad, is this pop?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "I'm gonna drink it. It's gonna. It's bad for me." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, that's fine." Uh, so there you go, oh, no. uh, listeners. You can head over to majorspoilers.com, cast your vote in the major spoilers poll of the week. We'd like to see uh, some more votes get in, and of course, we love reading your comments in the comment section. Uh, a lot of people saying hamburgers. A lot of people really against hot dogs, and uh, some people saying, "Well, you know, I'd go for a hamburger, but." Uh, some people like to mix different things into the meat and that's not cool for, for me and, and that kind of stuff. So there you go. Uh, I am a little irritated. Uh Oh, I had to break down. <laughs> Are you irritated? Yes, I am irritated. <laughs> I had to break down and buy a pair of Bluetooth headphones for when I exercise I because there's just too much of a, of a cord. Just a like a, it's like just a little bit of a distance difference between being in my deep pocket and my ears or being on the treadmill and me stepping back like two steps further than what are where the front of the treadmill is or something like mm-hmm. that. And so I had to buy these Bluetooth headphones. And man, I put them in my ear and I was listening to a show yesterday is really getting good. Battery is low. Oh, really? Oh, chunk, chunk. Yeah. And it's like they're brand new and I had them fully charged up and it's like not 10 minutes in dead. And I hate that. I hate that. I hate the fact that I have to use these Bluetooth headphones. You know what isn't disappointing are the tweaked audio headphones, uh-huh. except for the fact that, you know, putting them in my pocket, they're just yeah. a little but, bit too But short really, that's, that, that's the fault of like that is the that is the Yes, that is the fault of, of my, my parents. It's the, fault, the fault in our spines. Yes, the fault <laughs> in our spines. <laughs> it's about a girl with scoliosis. <laughs> tweaked audio, though. I love these guys, and they love major spoilers. And uh, I I still say that even though I put these things and then the other thing about these Bluetooth ones is you got to jam them way into your ear and then they have like you can't hear anything right. and then your ears feel, it feels like you've been underwater because yeah. your ears are all clogged up. Tweaked audio headphones. I like the little earbuds. You just pop them in. They've got great sound. They're great for music. They're great for talk. They're designed for durability. I can't tell you how many times uh, before I got these these things that I'd be walking on the treadmill and step back too far and it would yank the the iPhone and the iPhone never came out of the earbuds earbuds firmly anchored in my ears and it swings like one two mm-hmm. and I can grab it and before things get really dangerous yeah, that's almost part of your exercise right yes there. I know right <laughs> get your heart rate up tweaked audio ed- headphones engineered for durability noise reduction design not noise blocking design because if you're out exercising you want to hear that semi before it hits you Compatible with iPods, iPhones, Android devices, all MP3 players. Normally, you would pay about 35 bucks for one of these headphones. But would, now, how much would you pay, Stephen? I would go to tweakedaudio.com, and I would use the checkout code MAJOR on checkout. 
and you're going to get 33% off the price. That's how great Tweaked Audio is. Please go out and check out their website, tweakedaudio.com. Buy yourself a pair. It may be the last pair of earbuds that you ever buy. You certainly don't buy this Bluetooth stuff that I bought because it's like literally 10 minutes. Batteries are dead. Powering down. <laughs> I'm like, what the? Wizard what the needs food badly. Not even that. <laughs> My goodness. Bluetooth needs food badly. <laughs> yeah. Bluetooth is about to die. Let us talk about some uh, pirate eye. <laughs> I keep two magnums in this chest. One's a gun and I keep it loaded. The other's a bottle of rum to keep me loaded. Yar. So think, uh, think Detective Noir <laughs> setting the time of pirates. I got eight slugs in me. One be lead, the rest be rum. The drink packs a wallop and I packs a flintlock. Yar. N- not, not quite that, uh, not quite that, uh, kind of dialogue in the book, though, Matthew. Oh, but there should be. Smittians. She walked in my door, the kind of woman who make a bishop kick there a hole is a in lot, a stained glass window. Here's the thing. There is a lot of that in the book. There is that, you know, my name is Smitty. I find things. Uh, yep. I'm never too proud to go where the money is. <laughs> and, you know, uh, we end up with four different stories here. And these are all one shots that are compiled into the first trade paperback, Pri- uh, Pirate Eye from um, Action Lab Entertainment. And we do see Smitty, who is an exiled pirate, and apparently when you're an exiled pirate, you get cracked across the nose and get a scar that lets people know that you're an ex-pirate. And uh, he's living in this because at the (laughs) end of the book, there's another guy who's a pirate that they basically let out of being pirating, and he gets the same crack across the nose. Uh, That's how you know. Yeah, I guess. So, uh, Smitty, we've got four different cases. The case of the woman with the X on her leg. The uh, case of the um, what is the, the there's another I don't have the book right here in front of me. The case of the uh, the stolen, stolen crown jewels. Map. Oh, the case of the okay. stolen treasure map. Mm-hmm. And there's one more yeah. that I forgot what the other one was about. First one was about uh, the slave last trading. one is where he's in jail. Yes, that's the stolen the, crown jewels. Stolen one. Jewels. Yeah. Oh, is that yeah. Um, the slavery. Well, that the, was the first. That's the first one. And then we had the mark of the black widow. Yeah. Yep. And then it was. Oh, the sec. The second one was. Um. No, the second one was. Th- um. Uh. The oh, thing. the backstory with um. Burroughs. Yeah, him on the ship. Oh, him. Yeah. with the lady. Yeah, that one was the one that I kind of actually liked the most out of all of them. With yeah, with was the this one lady that, captain. Uh, yeah, the one with the lady captain, and there's a murder on the ship, and this is before he was exiled as a pirate. But it, it kind of shows kind of some dynamics and some relationships between this Burroughs guy, who's now like the captain of a pirate ship, and they really just hate each other with a passion. Mm-hmm. And uh, this murder that takes place of the captain's uh, dead husband's first mate. Mm-hmm. And murder how, at 10 knots. M- murder at 10 knots, yes. And how, um, and how Smitty figures it out, although we don't know the whole truth about why the um why the cook killed the first mate because he goes the thing that'll haunt you forever is that you will never know why i did it burr, har, har, i'm gonna go sleep with the fishes <laughs> glove, 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 glove. <laughs> you're, you're making glove, fun glove. of my dialogue <laughs> oh no i know it's never making fun of your dialogue okay um i just make fun of the way you write the number seven. Oh, see that's a call back to a question of the week or question of the day, sorry. I'm Go check that out at Majorspoilers.com. I cross my zeros, too. Oh, I do that, too. 
I got a cut on my finger. You want to see which one? No. No, that's okay. <laughs> though, uh, though, uh, even though I did like the, uh, what'd you say it was, Matthew? The uh, Death at Ten Bells or whatever it was? Death at Ten Knots. Death at Ten Knots. Even though I liked that one the most, I thought the very first story set up everything very well. Where yes. this governor comes into Smitty and is like, look, uh, I've fallen in love with this lady of the night and I want to make her my own. Mm-hmm. But I hear that she has this mark on her leg, which tells everybody that she's a lady or a man killer, a black widow, that she kills people that she sleeps with. Can you check this out and just make sure that it's uh, yeah, that it's all legit and that she really that, isn't a killer? That's the one that's just kind of a straightforward Raymond Chandler story yeah, set yeah, yeah. in mm-hmm. a pirate's cove. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one is like the the Dame War Red or something, and it's it's brilliantly put together. Why did why do you like that? Give me a breakdown. I, I really, of that. I, it's one of those things where, yes, I feel like we live in a mashup culture, and sometimes people will say, "Well, it's X set on a Y," but taking the bits and pieces of this pirate lore and this this kind of seafaring culture. And playing it as a noir story really, really works. I thought it was that kind setting of setting fits all of these, you know, dark corners and alleyways things. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a silly idea, too. Um, they're up to like issue six or seven. I forget which one is just coming out. But mm. uh, I reached out to the to their head person over at Action Labs. And I was like, I think we'd like to review that first trade. And I was like, wow, this, like you said, Matthew, really does lend itself to being mashed together. Although sometimes it does feel a little bit. Uh, like you said, a little bit too Raymond Chandlery at times, a little bit too much self-narration. Um, but I, I, I love those parts where you're like, you can hear Philip Chandler right. in that voice or, or Raymond Raymond Chandler, Philip Marlowe, whatever. Yeah. But the moment where he's like, Mr. Parrot has a hand in every pot in Tyone and yeah, another yeah, pot yeah. elsewhere. That's just like dead solid. You know, I'm, I'm picturing Cyrus Redblock. From that one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, which should tell you a little bit about my relationship with noir, that that's my touchstone for yeah. it. But. I think I really enjoyed that first one, too, because it, it did set up the world and mm-hmm. the Smitty character. Yeah, uh, We didn't get a full fleshed out backstory, but it certainly set up what his deal is uh, in this world. And there is certainly that noir detective thing, but I don't know what it is. I think it was some of the you know, the kind of broken up dialogue yeah. plus mm-hmm. the violence mm-hmm. that it really, for some reason to me felt like a roar. He's like a Rorschach character, which certainly mm-hmm. plays on that element again, but like specifically, like we're kind of just playing off Rorschach to a point uh, mm. with this one. I got that in later issues, not as much, but certainly uh, in this one, I, I thought it felt like that, but uh, it was a good issue. And, it the some of the issues bothered me because they were all one shots, which was nice. Mm-hmm. But the endings of some, like the first one, mm-hmm. and then I believe the one with the treasure map, mm-hmm. set up this larger yes. story. Mm-hmm. The third one made sense because Burroughs, as this reoccurring uh, reoccurring character in Smitty's life, uh, that one set up nicely, kind of this long this long uh, story arc for that. But then the first issue ended with this lady in red hair killing the mayor person right yeah, the governor the governor he's guy. not really the governor but they call yeah, him they, governor that's the girl that's the girl that he rescued see turns out it turns out in that first story that uh the it was detective, that was yeah. the same girl yeah turns oh, out well, she didn't look the same smitty finds out that the governor is in cahoots with these pirates who have been kidnapping right. and selling women into slavery right. and the irony right. is that 
he frees her or essentially frees the girl to go live with the governor. And the governor doesn't think that she knows that he's into slavery. She right. knows everything because Smitty did tell her. And so she kills him. The she bastard. kills him for and thinking so she that becomes, she was for sale. And she becomes the very thing that uh, okay. we well, thought that she was that makes all along. way more sense. Yeah, you were confused by that redhead that yeah, walks yeah. Yeah. through the door, right? Yeah, that's him chasing another Yeah, thing. that's another case altogether. Uh, but um, the art is sometimes pretty muddy in this. Yeah, yeah, yes. So it I can be. see that. I can I can definitely see what you thought that. And, that. and I don't know if that's because they're working with a limited color palette intentionally um mm-hmm. but you know there are some scenes like when the uh the treasure map story where smitty is talking with the kid who stole the treasure map and essentially you have smitty's red hair or red uh, bandana you have the kid's blonde hair you have a brown of the map and then everything is black and dark gray mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it is easy to kind of lose a lot of that stuff in the detail yeah. uh so i if can you- see where you're coming from for that if you actually look at the uh, cover progression on that first story, they would right inside you have the black and white version mm-hmm. and then the fully colored version. It looks like they may be working with kind of some standard line art and doing a lot of uh, kind of digital stuff to give it the depth and the shading. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can. I never thought that it was muddy per se. I thought it was kind of an intentional choice to be dark. But yeah, I can. There are times when facial likenesses do kind of blur into one another, especially yeah. on board the ship in chapter. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Rodrigo, did you have a story that you liked the most? Uh, yeah, I liked the one on the ship. I thought that it was a, a pretty good, like, close room mystery. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you're kind of introduced to everyone as, like, well, one of these people did it kind of thing. Um, and, it, you know, it, I, I thought it was uh, probably, I, I thought that one was definitely the strongest one. And I was like, I kind of wish that the other ones had more of this aspect. Yeah, and I think the, the I think the thing that was most interesting about that was not only the locked room mystery kind of thing, but the fact that the cook is like, "Oh, and you'll never understand why I did it." And then you know that Burroughs is the captain of the ship now, and so it almost seems like there is some plotting going on sure. where the captain is either going to try to, you know, the Burroughs is either going to kill the current captain or something else is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of like that little slow reveal of the backstory. Yeah. And I think what that story on the ship and then the first story, uh, with the girl Mm -hmm. had was this straight up detective looking into the clues and the facts and starting to see piece together what happened. The other two stories, Mm -hmm. while there were some good things in there, kind of presented him as still, as this kind of scoundrel type character that hasn't given up all of his pirating yeah. ways to, you know, double cross people uh, with the map, uh, saying he's going to oh, help yeah. him with, help with the map, and then in the jail, which I thought was an interesting story and had elements that I liked, still turned out to be this. I'm just kind of pulling one over you, not finding. Right. out where the jewels are through my awesome detective work, just kind of being mm-hmm. this charismatic figure in a jail cell with you that got you to tell your stories. On right, where right. Your jewels kind of a Rockford Files story. Yeah, kind of, yeah. If I were putting this together, I would actually put that story first because that story is a little bit stronger for me if you don't know that Smitty is Smitty. So you mm. open with that story, and then you at the end he walks out, and then you cut to the story where he's like, "My name be Smitty, though I haven't touched an iron in yards." You know, 
to me, that would have made for an interesting progression. And then you could go into the, the second story with the treasure map. And then you wrap it up with that really strong story on board the ship, the flashback story to me. But right, 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 I also right. understand that they put these in the book in the order that they were chronologically presented. So, you know, that works, too. Well, and, and the other fact, too, is that these are one shots. And I don't remember if these were quarterly or what the deal is. I'm pretty sure Pirate Eye is now an ongoing series at Action Lab. Mm-hmm. Um well, number one was December of 2012. Well, no, I'm talking about the the current series that Action Lab has uh, with Pirate Eye because it looks like the one that just kicked off uh-huh. uh, looks a little bit more about the moment, like at least the cover of one of the issues is basically what happened like five minutes after he was thrown off the ship and is in that boat sinking mm-hmm. uh, and what kind of happens there. Well, what you kind of got to tell that story. What I'm glad that didn't happen in this book is that it didn't turn into a Johnny Depp tale, you know, a Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean type stuff. Right. And they, even though most of the pirate stuff took place throughout the Caribbean, they're really nondescript as to what location any of this is, is going on, uh, which I kind of like, too. They try to kind of keep it in the time period, but let's not get too specific where we could sure. have some historical inaccuracies that could cause all sorts of other problems. Uh, so I, I like that. I like that a lot too. And I just like the fact that it's kind of this weird detective tale told with pirates. Yar, let me run that through my mass spectrometer. Yes. <laughs> what didn't you like, uh, Rodrigo? Um, uh, mostly what I didn't like about it is that it was super boring. Mm. Uh, and, uh, I mean, that's un- kind of unfair, but I just like, I felt that it was very wordy. I felt that the pacing was pretty slow. And that's granted what you probably want out of noir tales. Right. But, Especially a detective tale. You got to yeah, do things I, very slow so that if someone questions how you came to that conclusion at right. the end, all the clues have been dropped off. Just like from the beginning, I was just kind of generally not interested. And the book just never managed to grab me. So for me, it was just kind of pretty slow going throughout the whole thing. Again, mm-hmm. the the boat where all of a sudden there were, like, various interesting characters uh, kind of doing their, like, all having their own kind of, like, disparate motivations and kind of right sometimes allying with each other and sometimes not was a little bit more interesting than all the other stuff. Um, by the time I got to the, the one that was just a bunch of random stories, I was like, ah. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, that one was a lot more, like, Here's like a single picture and like right, just right. like Lots a little caption. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's where they're recounting where they came across these uh, jewels, and that's how Smitty figured out how to get them back. So, yeah. Zach, what about you? I th- uh, I would agree with Rodrigo, and sometimes the art wasn't just there for me. Like Matthew said on the ship, some faces kind of blend in. I think it got uh, a little too heavy at times with the coloring and. And uh, some of the inking, I thought, got a little um, not as clear as different parts. Mm-hmm. I liked the fourth one for the story, but I wish they would have done the inmates' tales in panel form instead of yes. kind of that narrative mm-hmm. style. Because I think mm-hmm. there could have been a lot of interesting visuals in there. Which I was, I think it's always odd when someone goes into something like that because it is a yeah. comic, and I know it's. A thing people do, but the fact is they did Smitty's story, 
in paneled form. Yeah, you know, but the I, other like, three people I hate didn't. to say it, but to me, that really yeah. smells like they were running out Rushing. of time. Yeah. yeah. So they were like, let's just not draw every single panel and do it in text form. Right. Like, that's, that's really what it seems like to me. Right. But I'm mean. Yeah. Uh, because I did like that story. I liked the Poseidon fanatics. Like, that's yeah. something yeah. I never really thought of before. <laughs> there certainly never, like, sure. fanatic people like that during this time. That's an interesting thing. So that's I would like to see... knocking at your door. Yeah. Do you have time to talk about Spider-Man? Do you have have a chance to read my parchment? (laughs) Uh, So I would have liked to see more of the visuals in that that part of the story. Matthew, what about you? Is there stuff in here that you didn't like? I actually liked the parchment effect in part four uh, in that we kind of see this from the point of view of the main character. So his story is his story and everything else is kind of the equivalent to me of, you know, seeing something on a screen or, or a film you know, for from the perspective of a modern story, but I can yeah, see where the off. Yeah, I can see that. The biggest weakness of it all for me would really come down to the art, and it's not that the art is bad, and it's not that the art is inconsistent. It's, I think, an intentionally, uh, I don't want to say crude, but there's an, in, an an intentional sort of blockiness and heavy line work in play that really works stylishly and stylistically a lot of the time, but when it comes apart just subtly comes apart there's never anything where you go this whole scene is coming to pieces and everybody has weird bug eyes but there are moments where you look at it and for instance the pirate um the wife who was now the captain right there's a sequence where we see the characters and i think it may just be the cover looks like she's nine and a half feet tall yeah and i'm reading the story and going wait she's not nine and a half feet tall anymore and it was you know it's just a matter of putting it together Well, there's there's one panel in that issue in that story where it's like mm-hmm. all these pirates in a row and it's like they're rendered really super realistically, like almost like this is a Kickstarter campaign thing and we had to draw people into the panel. And so here are these people that are the pirates. Uh, there you go. Kickstarter One of those stuff. people actually looks like Captain Jack Sparrow. So I'm wondering if they aren't all some sort of shout out. I don't know. Yeah. I, but didn't, I, don't. I didn't get that. But uh, the yeah. character on, on the left, second from left in that panel right behind the, the captain, it may be intentionally drawing you know, either. Oh, no, I'm talking, I'm talking it. further. I'm talking further on down the page. This is, um, I'm on page 61. I'm on page There's a 70, bottom panel, 70 top panel. Okay. You're further down. Yeah. Look at page 61. Go look at page 61. I'll go look at page 70. Go look at page 61. We'll see if it's the same thing. No, it's not the same panel. It's not the same panel, but it is the same thing, which, yeah, I think you're right. I'm wondering if that, that's an intentional thing. That looks like that may actually be an entirely different artist. I don't know. It's just really, it was just really odd. It is, it is noticeable. And that, like I say, there are moments of that that don't necessarily feel like big weaknesses, but I think they kind of betray uh, a youthful uh, kind of verve in the artist where he's maybe drawing a little bit outside his power and stretching as the story goes. But there are really great moments. There's the one panel that I actually tweeted today yeah, where he's, he stands up and he's leaning over and he's got his coat and he's looking down and he's saying something pithy. And then, of course, Otter had to shoot it down and be all mean. I love that panel. There are a lot of moments where you really love the art. And then there are moments where it's just subtly not quite exactly what you wanted or what you think they were intending to do. So mm-hmm. I think that. If there had to be a weakness, and again, I mostly liked this, I think that the art is probably the part that I would say I liked yeah, or had the biggest issues with. So. 
I think it's the series that, oh yeah, the the second volume um, is Pirate Eye, Exiled from Exile, is the <laughs> one that just was came out as a trade. And then they've got another series that's that's going on right now. Um, <laughs> the art looks about the same in, in that second one, but if if you're talking about how he is exiled, and it looks like there's a lot of the same characters are returning in here a lot. So uh, people may want to check that out if they, if they like this. Bottom line, Rodrigo, um, buy it. Check it out from the library. Skip it. Um, I would say skip it. I think that there are better pirate stories and there are better detective stories. And this, it, the, they both, the pirate genre and the detective kind of structure do very little for each other in this. Okay. Zach, what about you? For me, uh, see, like I would be fine reading the volume two. So I think this is worth just checking out at the library. I don't think it's good enough to buy, but I think if you can, if your friend has a copy or you can get it from the library, that would be fine. It's a pretty quick read. I felt like even though it can drag a little bit, it's still only four issues. So it's not, I think it's like, a, this trip is like a hundred pages, 121 yeah, pages, like something that. like yeah. that. So it's not horribly long. I think you can get through pretty quick. Uh, it's interesting. I never had read a noir pirate crossover. I don't think I, there are many that exist. I, this may be that the seems like only a pretty pirate small category. noir category. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's some interesting things that happen there, and I think uh, it's not a waste of time to read. And um, like, but I, I mean, I got done with it. I said I'd, I'd read volume two, especially if it was a more uh, continual story, not just one shots. I would really like to see. Uh, him do a detective thing strung out over four issues instead of just four individual mm-hmm. detective things. I don't know if that's what volume two is like. Well, uh, volume is, two looks certainly... like it's uh, issue one, two, three, four, like it's a miniseries. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would check it out. Uh, I'm going to agree to. I, I like this book a lot. I'd say if you like noir and you want a different take on the detective tale, Pirate Eye is really good from that perspective because it puts it in a whole different setting. It's not like steampunk London. It's not, uh, you know, it's not Raymond Chandler's America, nineteen twenty-two. It's, it's none of that. It's something very different. And I say, uh, I say, go buy it. I, I enjoyed the story a lot, uh, or the stories a lot. Not sure I'm, I'm super keen on the, on the art, but I think it's, it's worth picking up and adding into your collection. Matthew, I would say that if you look at a hundred odd pages for eleven ninety-nine, you could do a lot worse. I like this. I thought that, yeah, I thought that it really worked. I think that Rodrigo's point is valid in that the parts that are detective aren't necessarily super piratey and the parts that are piratey aren't necessarily super detective-y. But I do like the melange that you get here, especially the first issue and the third. And even the weak bits, I think, are definitely worth the price of admission. I say buy it. It's cool. it's interesting. It's it's weird. It's it's kind of a book where you're like, oh, I I. Ten years from now, maybe we'll see a thousand of these, but I've never heard of this before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, listeners, if you do want to buy it, I've put a link there in the the podcast posting page that takes you to Amazon if you want to just pick it up right from there. Thank you, uh, Rodrigo, for being on the show this week. Zach and Matthew, thank you also for being on the show this week. And, listeners, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next week, Dr. Peter Coogan returns for his monthly visit. We're going to be talking about comics' moral pornography. Oh, you're going to want to tune in for that because we know that you love comics. We do too, and we will talk with you soon.
Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.